This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, Episode 6, with guest Andrea Fernandez. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Suvorova, and welcome to today's episode. From Wall Street to Berlin, from private banking and equity research to founding Alice, a startup that offers education and intuitive tools that guide women towards achieving their saving and investing goals. In today's episode, I spoke to Andrea Fernandez about financial literacy and education and why habits will help you create your financial independence. Andrea is on the mission to build tools that are honest, jargon-free, and that create equal financial opportunities for all. From this conversation, you will learn how you should plan your savings, approach investing, and build wealth. So with that, let's learn how to grow your passion for finance in my conversation with Andrea Fernandez. Andrea, what a pleasure to have you joining me today for a conversation. Cannot wait to deep dive into the world of finances with you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thanks so much for doing this great initiative that uh, hopefully gives a lot of great examples to women. I know that you love finances, your door finances, but not many can put love and finances next to each other, those two words. And how did that love for finances come into your life in the first place? I started to learn about finance very, very early in my life. And it comes from a great place of love, I have to say. Um, so the person that started to teaching me about finance was my father. He's a numbers person just like me. Probably I took it from him, I would say. And yeah, so my dad taught me very early to love finance and numbers. How he did it was he basically very, I mean, when I think of it, it was very smart, uh, but I didn't really notice it. He basically gave me some responsibilities at home when I was young so that I would take care of certain things of financial topics in my in my house. So I was in a small town in Costa Rica, uh, which made it very safe to go around. And so I was responsible from early on to pay the bills for the phone and electricity and the mortgage for the house, which was for me great. Uh, and also, I um, I remember when I was young, at school, we used to have like a savings book. And I went to a public school in Costa Rica. So it was um, it was kind of the beginning of my savings career, if you will. How important it is for children to be exposed to finance early on? What would be your recommendations to parents today? Yes, no, I actually think this topic of uh, finance, like learning about finance, is really missing in our education system still today. I teach. I have two little kids. I have my son is uh, six and the other one is nine, and actually I've been teaching them about finance since I guess two or so years ago. And I think one of the first things is to really think about the values at home. So what values do you want to instill in your children and where does money fit in in those values? And how do you talk about money? So do you talk about money as enabler for other things in your life, right? Enabler to do bigger and better things, to open ways, etc. But also from a more practical perspective, I, uh, my son, my older son, he gets an allowance. Actually, both of them get an allowance. and the, But the older one has it a little bit more structured now. So he has five jars um, and he gets five euros and he puts one euro into each jar every week. And so basically, he, the first jar is a saving for the long-term jar, so future savings, it says. The next one is sort of saving for something special that he wants, like a bike or something like this. The third uh, one is education, so that he invests in, he can put money or buy something that serves him to grow. 
The fourth one is for like spending money, just like buying something small in the supermarket, uh, a snack or so. And then the last one is giving, because I think that for children to learn to give from early on is so super important as well. So this is so impressive. And how old they are? So the little one is six and the uh, older one is nine. Uh, the little one only gets two euros, but we actually did that yesterday. And he said, why is there a difference? And so now we said, okay, we're going to align this and everybody's going to have their five jars. <laughs> Any other exercise that you do that help uh, to understand finances and I mean, the, savings? At home, it's it's a business is kind of an ongoing conversation at the dinner table because my husband is also in business. So they hear quite a lot about that. And, uh, and actually the other day I was... because. I'm doing Alice, so he knows what I'm doing, and we talk about it, and I tell him what I'm trying to help women do with their money. And so he, we were talking about stocks and ETFs, actually, and so he wow. wants to open an account soon, and we have to figure that out for himself. But yeah, I mean, it's really important that, that children understand how this all comes together. I think your advice on those five jars is a really great practical uh, solution to this. Thank you for bringing this up. And I would like to speak about your experience in private banking and equity research uh, that you did. Both are equally complex and require utmost work commitment. How was it like working at Wall Street in 1998 to 2002? Well, it was very fun, I have to say. Like, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed working in Wall Street. I mean, they were both very different businesses. So private banking was uh, working with high net worth individuals and really getting very, like seeing the broad spectrum of products that JP Morgan had to offer. And equity research was a lot more specific going into kind of more technical stuff because I had to build all these Excel models and talk to companies and value them and write reports. And it was really, really fun. I mean, I think Wall Street, for me, it was a great tr uh, training ground, right? It's a, a place where you have to really work hard and, and it's a high performing place. But also I learned a lot about, you know, skills of excellence um, because when you work there, you really... Um, work with great people, really very bright people. And so I enjoyed it fully. Uh, it was really hard. I mean, the, it, I worked really hard. Like, you know, there was really long hours, very intense lifestyle. The learning curve was, you know, so steep that it made it made for a lot of fun. It was also a very exciting time because there was the dot-com bubble. So yes, indeed. I mean, it was Actually, I covered Brazilian clients. So in 98, there was the Brazil crisis, which made it quite exciting. And then later on, we had, you know, the the internet crash. So I was there through quite a bit of stuff. Uh, but it was really very interesting being in the middle of it. I mean, it's a huge learning experience. And really, I mean, it was the basis of a lot of the things I'm doing now. So, And how, in your opinion, how did the Wall Street change since then? Oh, I think it has changed quite a bit. In general, the culture in business, I think, is changing a lot because leadership is being defined differently than it was 22 years ago, right? Like we hear a lot more talk about, which I think is super important, a lot more talk about how do we integrate softer aspects into leadership, right? And what I mean softer is, for example, kindness into leadership, compassion into leadership, authenticity into leadership, and how do you build teams? And, you know, I haven't been in Wall Street now for a really long time, but I imagine that hopefully some of these things are also being combined by the leaders there. Um, I also think that Wall Street um, has changed because a little it, some of the areas in Wall Street are a little bit more afraid now than they were before, given all the fintech revolution that's going on, right? 
I can imagine that the big players in certain areas of the business, yeah, are really watching out for what's going on in the fintech space. Um, so, and obviously, I mean, the last years haven't necessarily been easy giving, given, um, especially, you know, the last few years, given what, what uh, is going on, not both in terms of young resources being as as thirsty for Wall Street, but also uh, with the things that have, with the, what has been going in the markets the last year, um, there's probably quite some instability there. And why did you make that decision back then when it was so exciting, a huge learning curve, and yet you decided to step away from that? So when I was young, I guess I always knew I wanted to start my own business and be inside a business. So Wall Street was sort of like a training ground for me, but I always knew I wanted to go beyond that. And and I actually realized that it became more relevant or um, more visible when I was in equity research. Because when you're in equity research, you're looking at companies and sort of helping them or rather recommending to them what you, they could do to change a business, to restructure or whatever, but you're not actually doing it. And so at some point I was like, okay, this is great, but I don't think I want to keep doing this forever. I want to be inside a business. And that's when I went to Harvard and did my my MBA because they had a very general management focus. So I thought, okay, I've done some finance. Now I need to get this kind of general management focus. How can I, because I, my goal was always to be a leader in an organization. And so that produced something. Uh, and so basically that that was what took me away from that. And then it was after Harvard that I really started within an organization that produced something, right? I went to a consumer products company back then. You also worked in the sales roles and uh, many other things that you did. And this is where I would love to explore before we speak about your startup, Alice, that you founded uh, just recently. I would like to understand the why and specifically why after such a vast career and switching around many industries and many roles, as I mentioned, being in business development, sales as well, in finance, you decided to become a startup founder. This was always a bug inside of me that, that starting my own company. I had the luck of not only have been in corporates, but also in startups. So I started in startups in New York. I worked for a company that was delivering food. It's called Fresh Direct, and I was chief merchandising officer. So I saw what it takes to really start a business from very early on. And that was fascinating to me. And so, and then I went to another startup not too long ago, Liquid here in Berlin, which was sort of the combination of startups, startups and finance. So that already kind of sparked even more of this kind of interest. But I think what, what was also really critical is, and, and so when I think of my career, I didn't build my career like many people or even, you know, prior generations were used to building it, like in a very straight path, because my thinking was always, I need to gain these skills so that one day I can understand the full picture so that when I have my own company, I actually understand where all these pieces fit in. That was my goal as I was building my career. And then it was in 2015, during my second maternity break, that I actually had more time to focus on my personal, like I would call it personal development topics. So, you know, do your vision board and start thinking what is really important to me. And at the same time, I had a conversation with my sister, who's like an extremely bright woman and has gone to like incredibly good schools. And she said, you know, I've started to save some money and I don't know what to do with it. And I said, well, what about you put it in an ETF? And she said, what is that? I don't know what is that. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? And so kind of that's where it really clicked. And so I started to talk to women a lot more about this topic. And 
in that break, I actually held sessions at home with women uh, and started to understand, okay, what's going on? And that's where I really determined, okay, this is my area of service. This is my place of service combined with then these experiences. That's exactly how I came to basically start Alice. And could you share more on what is Alice and why it's a startup with a very important purpose? Yes. So Alice is is going to be a financial platform that enables women to find the financial content, education content that's right for them. So our goal is to help women to learn about finance, but most importantly, to take action on their finances, which means we're going to have very easy savings and investing tools for women so they can get started or continue on their financial journey. And our hope is to be with them throughout that journey of their financial life. So we will be present not only at the beginning, but throughout the different stages of their life that also come up, bring financial decisions that they need to take, whether it is when they have children or decide to buy a home, etc. And what products are you planning to release um, in the upcoming year? So there will be, as I said, quite some um, easy ways for women to start start saving if you haven't saved before. A lot of content that will help guide you as to how to make those decisions uh, and also investing possibilities, whether you come in already with your savings so you can get started or keep going or if you just have never invested before. So um, I think, you know, it is very critical that we sort of help women in all of these different areas. So mindset is one important topic uh, and helping women gain trust through education is, is really important, but also holding their hand as they go through the journey will be really important for Alice. As we speak about savings, I would love to know how should one plan their savings or where should they start? So firstly, I think one of the, the critical things is to si have your like emergency savings plan for the rainy days, which I always tell women should be between like three to six months of your net income per month. So the first thing is, okay, how, how much am I getting every single month through my earning, whether it is you are a freelancer and then you know what your kind of average monthly income is, or you, you know, you work for a company and you have this um, income. So calculate how much that net income is, what do you need? And think of how much does it take me to save these three to six months or wh what does that mean? How much do I need to save to get there first? That sort of, that should be your first goal because we've seen, especially the past year, how challenging that can be, right? So in order to understand how much you can save, uh, it's important to know how much you spend. So the first thing um, is to get a very clear view of where are you spending your money? And that's something that sometimes can be a little painful because it means going back to, you know, maybe a few months of expenses and kind of getting a handle of that. But it's very important because until you know where your money is going, you don't know how much is left over to save. So the idea is how much is left over to save? How much can I really save? And then you determine, okay, this is the amount that I can save. Think about when you do that process, it's very important to think, am I spending the money aligned to what I value? Am I spending the money in products that I value? And then Is there any place where I can stop spending and start putting this towards myself? Because that's basically what savings is, is basically po putting money towards yourself. And what I tell women to think about, think about it, you give the government a certain percentage of your salary every month because you must. Why don't you put a tax for yourself on, right? And then the, the next big thing is, okay, now you, I have this amount. Let's say it's 100 euros a month. Okay, then how do I automate it? 
So pay yourself first at the beginning of the month. Just like if you were paying your apartment or something else, just send it to a different account, which is your savings account. And what is beautiful about this is when you see that money accumulate, you'll feel really good about it. So actually, it's like it's like a virtuous circle. You spoke that habits play a very important role when it comes to saving and investing. How much research on habits is part of your product development at Alice? Habits are super, super important. And mindset and, and how to establish habits is something that we actually focus on a lot in our product. And the idea is, I mean, the easier a habit is to build, the quicker you build it as a habit, right? So we want to automate stuff to make it really easy for people. But we are thinking about that actually quite a lot in the product development because we want to give you easy ways to get that done. The more you get it done, the more you see the benefit, you know? It's the same as we, you know, if you want to build a morning routine, you start doing it and the beginning it's hard, but then, oh my God, you see the impact and then you keep doing it, right? So I think money and money management is, and you know, managing your finances is actually something very similar. So how do we remind women that they are doing something good for themselves? How do we help them automate it? All of those things go a lot into our product development thinking. Could you give some more particular examples here? Is it going to be like some kind of app where you get notification at certain hour during the day? Well, notifications are going to definitely be a big piece of it, right? Um, we're thinking about a lot about that. When you're going to do certain purchases, hopefully there will be easy ways for you to also save. So, you know, that's going to be part of it. Another part of it is uh, when we know that you could be saving a little bit more because we see some of your transactions, we will help you with that. So there is definitely a, uh, going to be a lot of interaction with our clients to make sure that they can build the right habits to enable their financial life. This sounds amazing. How many people are you hiring this year? Well, it's going to be um, in the teens. So we're going to start building a, a nice team very soon. And we're super excited about it. So any woman who's hearing this, feel free to check out our site. We are super, super excited to hire women uh, because I do believe that uh, it will come, the product development process, etc., will come naturally to women. So we want to have uh, a large amount of women in our team. So I really uh, encourage you to look at our site, uh, aliceapp.de. And, and take a look at the roles that are open. I know you studied psychology, and as you also already mentioned, you did, uh, and you're still doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, where you focus on financial education and financial literacy. What are the topics women that you notice are most comfortable about and least comfortable about when it comes to finances? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to see that one of the major blocks of women in terms of starting with the financial topic is actually the mindset topic. It's where I usually start my coaching and I actually spend a lot of time with women on that because uh, basically the conversation that we have with ourselves and how communi we communicate with ourselves is kind of like what drives what we do, right? And and so we, we explore at the beginning what are some of those money blocks that you have that may come from history, they may come from the people you hang out with, They may come from your family and how you can shift them. And I think one of the things that's fascinating to me is how important the example that I bring to women is to inspire them in their life, which is very humbling at the same time, because basically it is something that is not that super difficult, especially in the world of today, where there are so many tools 
to get started, but it's more about someone that holds that hand gives you the trust to get started. And what I always tell them is like, start right away. You know, you just have to take the next step. Uh, that's something that anyways, it's a mentality in, in general in life. Just take the first step. Once you take the first step, it's sort of like the next step is going to show in front of you and then you keep going, right? So this mindset topic is super, super important. And so I actually tell women, and we do this, and I know my, my clients are doing this, like we identify the money blocks that they have and then we create sort of these affirmations that will enable them to overcome these blocks that they have. And they actually write cards and they put them up in their bedrooms. And I mean, I get feedback on this, which sounds very simple, but I mean, I have it myself. I have like my vision board very visibly in my house. And believe me, it has something like Alice on there. So it's it's actually really interesting as well. But um, this is very empowering, this visual, um, having this visual kind of reminders to enable you to do it. So that's a place where we start. And I think that is very critical. And I think the other thing that's really important is when you see the results, right? So when you see the money actually growing, when you see that the investment is going up, it feeds itself. Uh, it makes us feel that we are accomplishing something and feel like we are taking care of ourselves. And that's a really good feeling. So where do you usually see your clients most comfortable about? where you don't see that much of a problem. Actually, space. I mean, it's it, savings is not a big deal in Germany, right? We know that. So right. Germans are great <laughs> savers. Uh, and so I experience that actually quite a lot. It depends on the woman. There are all kind, different kinds of people of different kinds of women. But I think savings is less of an issue. I think taking the step to investing is more of an issue because they haven't been used to it. They feel like they don't have the knowledge. They may be a little bit more afraid. So it's about and giving them an understanding of the markets, giving them an understanding of the long term, how have the markets behaved, changing concepts, right? Like one of the things we were talking about the other day is we get really scared when the markets go down right? But actually that means that the stocks are cheaper. Like we love going to buy when things are on sale, right? Like generally speaking, at least I do. <laughs> so why not to change the mindset there, right? Like if you invest for the long term, when the markets are cheaper, it's actually a great buying opportunity. Instead of getting scared that, oh my God, I'm losing everything. You're actually not, right? Unless you sell, you're not losing everything. So it's kind of how do we play with those Fears we have, identifying the fears is super important because when we know our fears, then we can overcome them. So maybe the fear is, oh my God, you know, someone in my family invested and they they lost everything. So how did they invest? What did that mean back there? How has the market evolved? Did they invest kind of diversified, which is in like a basket or a group of different um, stocks? So It's it's about how we get an understanding of those fears, of those blocks, and how can we overcome them through education, through someone, you know, helping us to learn about that, etc. And have you noticed any reoccurring patterns um, in your clients? And from a psychological standpoint, is there a particular barrier that you noticed when women engage with the topic of finance? You mentioned already a few, but is there something more that occurs in The most of the population. Yeah, of the I mean, I think unfortunately, the financial industry hasn't necessarily been built to serve women. And so a lot of women, when they go to the current financial institutions, don't necessarily get what they are hoping for. So they go to find someone who maybe hears their needs kind of and guides them. And what they get is like, gen like a product push, right? Into 
something that maybe is not the best thing for them, and that doesn't give them the trust that they are looking for so that they are able to take a decision. Then they also get a lot of jargon instead of someone that's kind of willing to explain to them the basic concepts of like, why is this important? How do we look at this in the long term? So I think that's one of the challenges, you know, and it it has it costs a lot of women. There is research that says that actually women in the U.S., have it costs them about $1 million to not be saving enough because of the uh, wage gap. So they are not making as much money, so therefore they can't save enough. So the wage gap has a huge impact. The career gap, because you maybe stop, you know, earning money for some years or don't earn as much, has an impact. And so does this investing gap. And so the investing gap ends up being, you know, a big impact at the point of retirement. So I, I see that quite often. If we speak about the benefits, um, as you explained to your clients, what are those benefits that women would experience in their life if they wrap their head around financing a bit more? What advantage would it bring to their careers and personal life, both professional yeah. and personal? We spoke about uh, salary negotiation. Exactly. This is a huge advantage for professional life. I think it's super important that women get used or start opening the conversation on on these topics. I mean, on career and on money, basically, right? Like, if we don't push our careers forward, it's not like someone is going to put it out there and just come and give it to us. I mean, I do believe that if you work hard, generally, you know, you get recognized, but um, but we have to talk about it. We have to talk about, you know, we have to have goals. First, goal setting, I think, is super important. In fact, I was looking at some research yesterday that say, that says that people who actually write down their goals are 42% more likely to achieve them. So be clear on what is it that you want and talk about it with your friends, right? Where, like, where are you going? What's your goal in, in, in this job? Where are you taking your career, etc.? So that's one topic. And I think we should talk about it and plan around it. Of course, you can't plan everything, but at least, you know, it, as I said, the next step, at least the next step, what is the, the vision for that next step? That goes hand on hand with money. Get a feeling for what are other people earning in these same type of roles. Get a feeling for how how some friends have done it to get their salary increase. Plan the salary conversation. Know what your goals are this year. Over-deliver. And if you over-deliver, then ask for the return. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And we know there's a gap that is between like 15 to 20% in Europe, depending on the country. And we're not going to close it just like that, right? So we as women, we have to drive that. So with the benefits, we have more negotiation power. The more financial literate you are, the more financially educated you are, the more negotiation power you have. You have If you have savings, that means you have more power in your personal life, also in terms of freedom, what decisions you make. Is there anything else I missed as a main benefits? No, I mean, and, and then savings, remember the investing part. Let's not forget. Savings yes. have to be invested right away because the, the time value of having these savings invested is critical. And I think you said it right. Like all of these things, the beauty of this is that if you already have these savings and you already have this investing, you almost feel like you, you know, you have a different power on yourself when you go have that conversation on where you think of your career long-term. It also gives flexibility, right? Like if you're going to have eventually children and you want to take a little bit more of a break, you know, you have that in the back to help you. Or you know that with that money, you can hire maybe the help you need to hire to, you know, enable your career at a faster pace. So that's, those are the benefits that I see. 
We spoke about how to approach savings and to start savings account. How does one approach investing and where should they start? What are the first practical steps? So I think it's super important to think of investing as investing for the long term and to inform yourself always when you're going to invest, always inform yourself. Generally speaking, I think uh, ETFs are a great place to start. Could you also elaborate what is uh, ETF? Yeah, exactly. So an ETF is basically, it's called an exchange traded fund. And why I love ETFs so much is because basically their goal is to replicate a general market benchmark. What does that mean? Let's think of the DAX. Okay. So the DAX is a basket. Um, it represents a basket of the major stocks in Germany. This is an index. And it, if you look at the DAX over the last years, it kept, it kept going up and giving a good return over the last, uh, throughout its history, basically. If you buy an ETF, you can buy an ETF, an exchange traded fund that basically follows the DAX. An ETF is a generally a fund that whose objective is to follow a benchmark and a benchmark is the DAX. So if you want to start with, with investing, you can start with ETFs. Why are ETFs also so attractive is because they are quite cheap in compared with other, in comparison with other products in the market. They are very, I would say relatively new products or products that have gotten become much more popular for that same reason. The other side of ETFs is sort of mutual funds, which are what are also what are also called active investment funds. What happens? What's the difference? If you want to buy a mutual fund based on the DAX, generally speaking, there is a whole team of people trying to select, oh, which are the stocks in the DAX that are going to do better than the average? The ETF is giving you the average that the DAX give you, so to say, and the other stocks are supposed to give you better, but it hasn't necessarily been proven that those active funds return the extra value. But the thing with those funds is that they are a lot more expensive, which is what we want is to lower the fees and still get the benefit of the markets. And that's what you get by an ETF. And why is that so important? So it's really, really important when you invest that you look at fees that you're paying. Why? Because those fees can also eat up your returns and ETFs don't have very high fees, as I said earlier. So that's a great place to start. Now, if you want to get started, you need in Germany, you need a depot. You need to open a depot in a bank very soon. Our hope is that you can do all of this through Alice. But at the moment, uh, we're not there yet. Therefore, you need to go find a provider where you can open a depot and where you can buy an ETF. There are robo-advisors today where you can do that more automated and that already sort of choose the funds for you. That's also a great place to start. But what I always say is get informed about what you are doing. Have a feeling, take a look into the products. There's so much information available online today, but it's about taking, you know, steps little by little. And then I open account, I do the research, and after that? And the, the best thing to do is to basically put money into this depot. So basically what you should have is a depot, and then in this depot you're going to select a range of ETFs. If you've never started investing, if you've never done it, one of the best things to do is to start with one ETF and a world diversified ETF. What does that mean? It's an ETF that invests in stocks that are located in all over the world. And basically what you do by buying an ETF is you buy a little slice of all these companies. So you have all these little companies. So what happens is if one company goes bankrupt or doesn't do well, the others are still doing well, so the impact of that is not very high. 
So that's one very, if you want to do it fully on your own, that's a good place to start. So you open your depot, you go invest in an ETF. And what you do is that you put a monthly money into that depot every time. So if you say, okay, I'm trying to save for my uh, emergency plan, you first either can start building money for your emergency plan, or you can say, oh, I'm going to put, you know, a hundred towards my emergency plan and another 25 is going to go into my savings plans. That That's an ETF based plan. And then put the money into that depot every month automatically that uh, plan buys for you that same ETF and it keeps growing over time. And it's you're basically automating your financial life. Sounds very beautiful and easy. <laughs> Indeed it is. <laughs> and you spoke about a role of individual stocks that take in portfolio, but why do you always speak about diversified debt basket? So when we talk about individual stocks, I think, I mean, I love investing in stocks. So uh, I think it's a good thing to do. But I, um, as I said before, you you basically want to build as the core of your assets. So think of all of the money that you have. The core should be diversif a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds. We haven't talked about bonds, but uh, a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds and you may decide that you use 5 to 10% of your assets to then trade individual stocks. And why do I say only 5 to 10%? Because you have much more risk if you are selecting a small basket of stocks by yourself. We have to remember that selecting stocks is a job for the analysts in all these companies, right? And they look at the companies in and out, they talk to the companies, and even still, they don't always pick the best stocks, right? So so it's hard to beat the markets, which is why it's so important to have that core be based on the market performance. And then if you are very passionate about certain stocks or maybe, and you can approach it in different ways, maybe you are focused on sort of stocks that are going to be relevant in the future. So you think about, you know, what are some of the trends, future uh, trends that you are wanting to invest in and you choose it that way, or maybe you're super interested in supporting you know, ESG focused companies. So you start thinking about clean tech and these kind of things. So you can build that portfolio based on kind of personal philosophy, which I think is great. And also why I think is very fun, but I wouldn't concentrate the majority of your assets in that because the risk is higher. This is a lot of material to research after this episode for the audience, for the listeners, and to really read up on this. So thank you for bringing that up. I know the family is of high importance for you and always been in your career. How do you set up your priorities in life and what recommendation you would give to our listeners? Family, I think, was a huge kind of turning point, right? When I had my children and family is uh, hugely important to me. I think that you really learn to prioritize actually when you have children. Before priorities were sort I thought I was prioritizing but I wasn't really and I think I set up I have very clear priorities I mean my my family is is super important to me Alice is now super important to me so if I think of this year those are basically the two things that I'm really really focused on and how do I prioritize I prioritize by ensuring that I have that I put the time towards those two things then I say, okay, what else, what do I need to do to make sure I have that time? And so in my case, I mean, it means that I need to get some help, right? I need to, to outsource the things that I cannot do on my own that are actually not critical or building value towards my priorities. And that's how I think about it. And I think 
You know, that's a really important thing for women because depending on where you come from or stuff, sometimes we're like one very perfectionist and two, we need to, we think we need to do everything. And at the end of the day, we can't do everything, right? So it's like, where is it that I'm getting value towards the things that I, that are so important to me and getting clear on that. And so, you know, if it is that um, at some point, the house is not like you may have wanted to have it. Such is life. Like, are you really focusing on your priorities? Or maybe you need help that day that, you know, learn to ask for help. You know, learn to organize your life in such a way that you can ask for help. Or that maybe, you know, that's what I was talking about before. Like, if you really want to have a, a very intense career later on in life, maybe you need to say, well, ready today so that, you know, you can pay for that extra help in that when that time comes. So, I think that's that's super super important, and it's an ongoing learning process as for me as well, right? Like it's not like I, I I've learned it all, but it's something that I think about often and that I make decisions on often. How is personal development is part of that journey for you? Because as I understand, that really helps to structure life and highlight those priorities. Yeah, I mean, I I actually am a big kind of personal development junkie, if you will. Um, <laughs> actually, this goes back to my dad too, so. I don't know. He um he took me to my first personal development seminar when I was 13 years old. Okay, I went with him to this. It was called like Silva Mind Control. It was like I don't think they exist anymore. And then through since then I I do do um kind of trainings on an ongoing basis. And so I think one of the topics that is super important is to have a lot of introspection. You know, on an ongoing basis really understand what are your values? What are the important things for you? in life, right? And then based on those values, then make decisions because the more aligned the decisions you make are to your values, the easier that life is in a way, I think. And also know what you have a passion for because if you work towards your passion, you actually don't have as much stress, right? Like no matter how much you're working, I mean, I've always been like a really hard worker. So I don't mind working hard. Like I actually, I love working hard, which is sometimes a problem, but um, you know, if you are working towards something you're passionate about and you like kind of give your full heart towards that, you're like mostly in flow, right? In a state of flow, which is actually feeding more positive things into your life. If that is aligned, you know, your decisions are aligned to your value, you're working in something that you're passionate in, etc. Uh, it creates, again, like a really positive spiral. I, I think stress comes in when priorities are not aligned and also when what you do every day actually is really not satisfying you in many in several ways. So yeah, personal development is super critical and having that clarity on, on, on your values and what's important to you, growth, contribution, love and connection. Are those things important in your life? What else is important in your life? My favorite question, which I hope can raise even more awareness and curiosity among the audience is I ask my guests, and you, Andrea, specifically today, who do you define as your role woman, a woman of her own achievements? There are different levels, if you will, or more, more in terms of kind of how famous these people or how kind of big in the professional side these women are. But I have to start from people in my family because um, so I had my grandmother. She was the mother of 13 kids. Oh, wow. Uh, she just passed away last year, actually, unfortunately, during the Corona times. So I wasn't able to to be in Costa Rica for that. But she was a huge role model for me um, because it was uh, through her that I learned a lot of the values of hard work, 
dedication and commitment to something that was <laughs> huge. And so that was like super important for me as a role model, right? I remember having two kids and thinking, oh my God, this is nothing. So, you know, it's like all relative, right? And then my mother was also a, or is today like a huge role model for me. She's a very clear woman in terms of kind of what she believes is the way. And so that strength that she always showed and and to be honest, they believing me from early on. I mean, she was like my biggest and has been my biggest supporter forever. So that's a huge thing. And then there are other women. I mean, I worked with a woman in Alliance Global Investors. She was the CEO. Her name is Elizabeth Corley. And she was a fascinating woman, a great role model in the sense that she was extremely bright and effective in what she did, but super humane in how she approached business and how she approached individuals specifically and really kind of seeing, okay, what is the situation in this person's life, right? How can I make sure that I care about that too, not only the deliverables? She was, a, I mean, she was driving excellence all the time, but, you know, one thing doesn't mean you can't have the other thing. And another thing that was really fascinating in Elizabeth and that stayed in my mind forever is, you know, at AGI, when you're in these financial organizations, you so sometimes feel kind of very far away from what you are doing because they are so big, right? And she always brought it down to, reminding the organization that we were actually managing people's money. So we were ma managing the money of institutional pension funds, right? What are pension funds? It's actually the money that people are going to use one day to live their life, right? So it's really important. This business is really, really important. We, When we talk about money, we're talking about people's well-being, people's future. And that, that stayed with me really very clearly, which is also why I'm doing this, because I want to enable women to build their future and their family's future. So that was a huge inspiration for me in my life. And another woman, which is kind of a different level, is Mary Erdos. She's the CEO of uh, Asset Management at JP Morgan. And I actually worked with her in 98 back then. So seeing how she has evolved her career and the type of impact she's having, it's, it's fascinating. So, you know, it's a very broad range, but I'm very lucky to have had all of these women in my life. Andrea, thank you so much for today's conversation. I think you brought a spark of very strong interest in the finance a real joy because the passion you have for this topic and the passion about Alice is really inspiring. And I cannot wait to hear more about your startup and to use it hopefully very soon. Thank you so much for coming and I wish you a fantastic day today. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon. <laughs>